Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the CAA podcast. And of course, I say the CAA being Chiropractors Association of Australia, but many chiropractors out there might be aware that at the time of this recording, we've now had our national EGM and our New South Wales EGM to vote for restructure. So um, we'll still call it the CAA podcast, but it's looking like it might be the ACA podcast or Australian Chiropractors of Association of Australia, sorry, Australian Chiropractors Association. I'm getting confused with the terminology myself here. Um, very, very soon, which is really exciting. I think restructure uh, really creates some opportunities for us to be a far more nimble, cost-effective and, um, and effective association for members and for the profession. But we're going to continue on. Our last few podcasts have been very much about our research. And of course, um, part of the reason for this podcast is to help maintain and improve the evidence base for chiropractors and for chiropractors to be able to use uh, those kind of uh, uh, new understandings in formulating their clinical decisions. Um, and of course, as chiropractors, we, we strive to have uh, patient-centered care. Um, but all of this, you know, knowing the evidence, knowing, being up to date with what, um, what the research is saying, having great skills, wanting to provide patient-centered care really all comes to nothing if we don't have a successful practice. We really need to be uh, thinking about what we can be doing to communicate effectively with patients and provide an environment where we can be successful within our own practice. And for many people, they choose uh, to use a coach to assist in this process. So today's podcast is about five questions for a chiropractic coach. And we're going to be talking in a moment uh, to Bettina Tornatora, who uh, we spoke to only a few podcasts ago about women in chiropractic, and Jim Karagiannis. Now, just to give you a little bit of background about these two great chiropractors, Jim commenced his chiropractic study at uh, Philip Institute of Technology, now RMIT in Melbourne, back in uh, 1989, and completed that five-year undergraduate program in 1993. Now, I say 1989 because that was a significant year for, for, for Jim because that was when he met and started dating his fellow first-year chiropractic student, student, Bettina. There's a few stories of chiropractors who uh, met and uh, in school and stayed together right through the journey, and Jim and Bettina are, are certainly an example of that. Uh, they married at the end of uh, fourth year. Um, uh, they went home to Mildura and completed their uh, final year of uh, the course as a married couple. Um, upon graduation, Jim and Bettina combined travel with chiropractic progress. Uh, this led them through a journey that involved them doing fieldwork in Adelaide, followed by associateships all the way up north in Darwin. And it was when they were up in the top end that uh, Jim in particular had the incredible opportunity to fly to some of the most remote parts of Australia in Northern Territory and Western Australia on a regular basis, uh, spreading the chiropractic message and getting chiropractic care out there to uh, the most remote parts of the country. Uh, they moved to Dubbo uh, in New South Wales in 1995, buying a long established practice there. Uh, Jim and Bettina spent the next six years in Dubbo, expanding their practice, establishing satellite practices, 
uh, in the surrounding country towns. Uh, and it was also in Dubbo where their sons, Sebastian and Xavier, were born. In 2001, they decided to move back to Melbourne to get closer with family. And on September the 11th, 2001, a date that's um, sometimes remembered for not so nice reasons, um, Jim and Bettina drove back to Melbourne embarking on their next adventure. They chose to buy a long established practice in Brunswick West in 2001, uh, and they still are at that practice in Mor uh, Moreland Chiropractic today. In 2012, Jim and Bettina became coaches and owners of Powerful Practices International, a coaching and mentoring organization for the chiropractic profession. And outside uh, of practice, as well as um, uh, as well as Bettina being very involved with uh, women in chiropractic and being the current CAA Chiropractor of the Year, uh, Jim is passionate about his personal growth and as well as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he's a pretty big guy, so don't mess with him. Mess with me because I'm just a cyclist, but don't mess with uh, Jim, that's for sure. All right, guys, Bettina and Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the uh, podcast today. Uh, you're welcome, Thank Anthony. you, Anthony. Thank you. So let's start. We were talking just uh, offline a moment ago about the difference between a, a coach and a mentor so let's make our one of five questions number one right off the bat what is the difference between a coach and a mentor uh, I, th I think I might take that one but is that okay yep. yeah um, this is a question that we get asked quite often Anthony and uh, I know the CAA have got a, a great mentor program so it's actually a really great question to ask uh, essentially a mentor um, in the context of supporting and helping people is generally someone who may have actually gone through a similar experience and actually, and particularly in the chiropractic sense, may have had the practice or been in practice for quite a while. And they can impart tools and wisdom to support people who either are on a, a similar journey or want to know some questions based on the, the, the mentor's experience. And the big distinction between a coach and mentor is a coach is actually where a mentor might actually give suggestions and say, look, you might want to do things this way or this way based on what I found or what I've learned. A coach really looks at things from the perspective of how do we actually help you find your own answer? So quite often a coach may not necessarily have had to have been in that experience or have actually had experience in that area, but they have a specific skill set that allows people to formulate their own ideas and plans and how to actually find their own answers. So when we work with chiropractors specifically and we, when we coach outside of the chiropractic profession um, in areas and industries that we don't necessarily have experience in but we actually are able to help people find their own answers in that area but when we actually work within the chiropractic field we're using both of those skill sets having practiced in country towns and and the cities and been associates and had family so we've got experience in that area but the coach in us it actually helps us find the deep question deep answers that people are looking for in themselves that's that's a really interesting concept. I, I've never actually heard of that presented in that way before. Do you find yourself more in the role uh, as a coach or more in the role as a mentor or do you call yourself a coach or call yourself a mentor typically? Um, I can actually add in there, um, it, 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 it's a very distinct difference in the energetics of it when we're working with someone um, and it's as simple as we definitely call ourselves a coach because that is that is the primary. What that means is that we can coach anyone to achieve any goal that they set 
and I don't have to have had an experience in how that looks personally. Um, I think it, with a mentor, it usually is someone, like Jim said, who's done the process themselves. And a great example of that, if you look at some of the great um, uh, sports people in the world and look at their coaches, there's a very good chance that their coaches have never achieved a gold medal in that sport or have won a particular thing in that sport. Yes. They don't have to have. Their job is to actually get the best out of the individual that they're working with, yes. whereas a mentor might be another athlete who understands what it's like. You know, how do you deal with the nerves before a game? How do, how do you manage your training around the rest of your life? How do you work with media? That's a mentor. It's a very different energetic. So it's a distinction that not a lot of people understand. They often use the terms interchangeably, but when we're working with someone, it is very clear when we're doing one and when we're doing the other. Oh, I think you've made that distinction, you know, uh, uh, quite clear. And Jim mentioned before about the CA Victoria mentorship program. That definitely, uh, given your explanation, there would fit into the mentor category and not the not the coaching category. So, ju just for those out there who are listening, um, this is a program that I think over time, when we uh, restructure to the ACA, that we'll look at rolling out uh, nationally. But currently. In Victoria, young students and young uh, chiropractors certainly have the opportunity to have mentors uh, through the CAA, which are you know existing chiropractors out there in practice. And of course, the next step up about that, um, you know, would be to have someone who is uh, perhaps more experienced in being a mentor and certainly experienced in being a coach, which would be uh, uh, the two of you. Now, moving on, and not necessarily in the order that we discussed, but but maybe let's talk about. Who are the people that you commonly work with as a mentor and coach? The way I see it, there's sort of, broadly speaking, three stages of practice uh, that we go through. There's the, the the new graduate and very much the sort of building and um, growing stage. There's the more established stage, which is probably the you know the, the longest part of our uh, career as practi practitioners. And then there's the sort of slowing death down or easing out of the profession phase where do you tend to do most of your work with and and give me some examples of how that might be different for say in a, a growing practitioner to a more established practitioner yeah thank you Anthony. that you've pretty much nailed the areas that we actually do focus on primarily both in with new grads both with uh people who have been in practice for a while and also different uh sort of levels of their practice as well and by way of example you know when you're the mentor program is fantastic in that it will show people pathways and, and action steps to do that so but what we look at if we were working with a new graduate for example we'd be looking at you know what's the psychology of um, commencing practice you know what are really key distinctions and things that you need to step into and you know what kind of person do you need to become to be able to be an advocate of of healthcare and you know in the coaching side of things you know we, we've all experienced the, the the battle scars of actually rejection and um, people testing our concepts and paradigms of health so the coaching part of that actually helps people cycle through everything that comes up for them any old wounds or limiting beliefs or 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 limitations that place on themselves that's essentially where we're working through with with new grads and then also giving them a structure a little bit more in a lot more detail than you know just a for a, a mentorship sort of program when we progress to the middle um 
sort of group that you were talking about, we're really looking at, at okay, how do we then scale or, or how do we amplify or how do we actually bring new people into an environment and ensure that it fulfills everybody's values and creating harmonious environments and we're and having more of an impact. And, you know, one of the areas that we actually really find makes a big difference in coaching is, like you said, the latter parts or people who may have been around for 15 plus years who have achieved a certain level of success, but somewhere along the way they've lost the joy or the fulfillment. And um, one of the real great areas that we find is being able to actually tap people into their, their ultimate purpose at that level, recharge them to a new phase. And so they're not limping downhill. They're actually thinking about legacy and, and getting involved in mentorship programs and really amping up their contribution, their fulfillment and enjoying practice. So to me, the whole journey is about fulfillment. It's about um, having fun, knowing why you're in practice, what impact that you're having, and just tapping into their, their personal purpose and their values and their reasons for doing what they do. Does, are there challenges when you're working with a, with a practice in terms of um, uh, who you're working for, whether it's the principal or the associate? And, and I guess, is it mostly principals or is it mostly associates that tend to um, request your services? I'm happy to take that one. Um, it's it, it's both. Um, we've we actually have a fairly good mix of both directions. As in, the associate comes to us and says, um, I'm, "I need I need support. I need support to grow, um, and I need it outside of my team because I need it to be independent and an outside looking in." Um, and we also have um, principals. And often when the principals are coached, um, they will actually get to the point, they see such great benefit from it that they will then have as part of their process for their associates, they will insist on coaching being that. As an organisation, we have always been really clear on the boundary on who we're working for. It's the client in front of us is who we're actually working for. We always have the option of um, conversations, um, supporting interactions between the principal and the associate, but we're really clear that you know that person is the one that we're working with. And sometimes um, that may be even a case where uh, it comes to the realization through the coaching that that their role is actually not for them, and and it's about facilitating that to be a very clean, um, honourable process where everyone's respected in that too, or enhancing it and making the and getting to the point where realization that practice needs more people working, not less. Um, so it depends on where it needs to go and it goes there fairly organically and relatively quickly. Um, some principal chiropractors will actually pay for coaching for their associates, um, which is fantastic. I mean, it's an amazing initiative for them to do that because they realise that their particularly new grads often need a lot more support than they can give because they're busy running the practice um, seeing clients themselves, so they uh, look to outsource that support for them. And it's just about having agreements on what communication goes between them um, and often that's just set up right from the beginning. It's all about just being really clear with the boundaries on that. I think that's a really good point you make there, Bettina. I, I was actually out at RMIT talking to the fifth years only yesterday uh, during the transition to, to practice course. And one of the points that I made was uh, that it's wonderful to have great um, uh, principal chiropractors um, and I know when I was a, an associate I I got a lot of great information from um, uh, Kevin Albrick who was my principal chiropractor at that time and I'm sure many other people have had hopefully similar experiences 
But as good as that relationship is, it's not really a mentor-mentee relationship because uh, you need to be able to have conversations outside of that environment. That's where people like you guys can be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's those... At the beginning, it's like any new relationship. It often starts really beautifully and it's, it has its honeymoon phase and everything's great, but then often um, the time and energy just isn't available to it and that's often when we come in um, and, and offer that little bit of support. And it actually doesn't take much. Often it's just clearing up communication issues. Now, just tying off that sort of you know uh, question about who you work with, I imagine that people on the end of the, or approaching towards the uh, end of their um, uh, practice career are, are less likely to, to want your services. Do you ever deal with people who are sort of talking about, um, uh, you know, ret approaching retirement or, um, you know, legacy type stuff? I know, you know you used that word just earlier, Jim, or in particular in terms of um, working out strategies in which they can, you know, eventually sell their practice and, and either move on or maybe become an associate themselves instead of a business owner. Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely do um, with that, Anthony. The the key distinction is I, I've always looked at um, growth as from a growth mindset point of view and irrespective of what age someone is, I actually feel that everybody has a capacity to expand and grow and reinvent themselves and uh, like I said earlier, I, I, there are people that we actually coach who are in either transition or, um, you know, there are people in their 60s who can commence coaching or 70s who commence coaching because they adopt a mindset of growth. And growth doesn't have to be um, in that capacity. They may actually find great joy in practicing chiropractic and find other interests. You know, I had a conversation with uh, a principal uh, only a couple of weeks ago who was just talking about having invested so much time in practice, he's actually bringing on extra associates, but he's actually finding out within himself, you know, what actually gives him joy outside of practice. And the process of having these discussions has led him to understand that he's lived a, wouldn't have been a harmonious balance and lifestyle because it's been all work um, centered around work. And when work goes, what's left is really, you know, what we're talking about. So um, his impact on legacy and finding joy in children and grandchildren and all those areas, there's so much scope and capacity for people to still benefit from any work they put into themselves at that stage. Yes, I'm not quite there yet myself, but I imagine when I do get there, it will be one of the perhaps most uh, exciting, I hope, and possibly one of the more difficult transitions uh, to make uh, when so much of my identity, as many uh, chiropractors out there has been, has been work. Um, but to have that balance is so incredibly important and to have that, I guess, comfortable shift in balance uh, as time goes on is also uh, absolutely vital. And one of the things with identity, Anthony, is often I find that when we talk about mentorship, I meet so many chiropractors who have such a wealth of information and knowledge and experience, but they actually don't really know how to acknowledge it and don't understand that it's really needed for that to go back into the profession. Yes. Uh, that's a, an area I'm you know, always encouraging people to, you know, you've got so much to offer. Would you consider talking to some students? Would you yes. consider you know, bringing some new grads in just to even observe and hang out with you because um, you've, you've actually lived an experience that, you know, is unique and it would be of great benefit. So that's part of that process and that helps with the identity because you can be doing that and not necessarily being hands-on. 
Well, I guess it's the thing that the, the mentor-mentee relationship, uh, um, most people might think that it's just the mentee that benefits here, but it's absolutely the mentor who, um, who, who can get a lot out of that relationship as well. Absolutely. So moving on, question number three, um, and this is getting more into the nitty-gritty of it now. Um, what do I have to do to achieve my goals and objectives in practice, and how can you help me? You know, the, I would say, Anthony, out of all the questions that we get asked or when people actually initially come in and have what we call a discovery call just to work out what coaching looks like, this is the question we get asked the most. And the, the irony about this is um, being in this whole do, 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 what do I need to do world and mentality, we're limited sometimes in terms of what we'll do based on where our point of reference is at the moment. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes it's not actually doing more. The old axiom in chiropractic we do have is so relevant here because um, quite often if you're, you can only get six ounces out of a, you know, six ounce glass, you can't get nine ounces. And sometimes we have to expand in our capacity and once we do that, then the action step will become more apparent. So what I mean by that is, you know, people will quite often say, look, I'm having an issue with such and such in practice. You know, what do I need to do? And and if if that problem is coming from a fear of rejection or not speaking your truth or not getting certainty or clarity in what it is that your message is, doing more of the same is not the answer. Mm. It's actually stepping back and going, okay, perhaps I need to get really, really clear on, on, on certainty in this area. And, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. One of one of the, a coaching client that I had, particularly a couple of years ago, was really struggling with certainty in practice. And a very evidence-based chiropractor, which was, which was awesome, and, and his pathway to gaining certainty was um, reading every article that was out there with the view that if I know enough, then I'll have certainty. But the problem was that he actually didn't have certainty himself. And mm. so most of the work that was there, that wasn't a scenario to do mentoring. It was actually more coaching in that area to find out what was the underlying reason for not having certainty in self. And when we did work in that area, he gained certainty in self and then the articles and the reading were just an expression of that certainty. And and that was that was really massive. So the action steps that you will take will be different if you actually expand yourself first and that will actually help you get to your outcome and goal much faster. I really like what you said uh, at the start there about the be to have that you have to sort of you know, be the person you want to be before yeah. you actually put your those action steps into place. And I guess that would have applied to that individual you're talking about just yeah. there. Totally. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many times we, we have someone who comes with their shopping list of goals, you know, and they can have them, you know, beautifully mapped out in an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, they'll have this fundamental question of, uh, you know, it might be something really simple like, how can I expand my hours to see more clients, right? Which seems like a pretty straightforward question. And when we actually boil it down, they've actually been sitting on that question for a period of time. And then we boil it down a bit more and we realise the reason they haven't actually taken action on that is not because they're lazy or they don't have, um, you know, motivation. It's actually because they don't really want to work more hours. They yeah. want to just be more efficient in the hours that they work and they need that harmony in their lives that enables them to do work really effectively. And that's what Jim said, you know, coming back to that place of, Let's actually ask some better questions of why the goal is not being achieved because let's face it, we're dealing with highly intelligent human beings. 
You know, they're, they're not silly. They come in with a, with a great deal of intelligence. So often they're quite baffled as to why they can't achieve their goals and their objectives, but it's because they haven't quite gone back far enough in the questioning. And that's where obviously the skill comes in as a a coach to find that trigger point that says, okay, perhaps this is a better question. Let's sit with that first and then let's see how that affects the goals or the outcome. Now, question number four, uh, I I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, no doubt you'll expand on it, is coaching a cookie-cutter approach? Um, Anthony, the the best way I can explain that, the way that we have always gone about coaching is what we call identity-based coaching, where first and foremost we get very, very clear on who it is that we're actually working with. Um, No, you know, I've never approached, and I personally rebel against someone imposing um, limitations on this has to be done this way. So that's come through in my own coaching style as well, where it's all about when I say identity based coaches, get really, really clear on who this person is, what is their view of the world, what are what, what's their, what are their value structures, how do how do they see the world, what's important to them, and then actually help them um, map out a process to actually achieve what it is that their their, their goal is, and that goal may be different for different people. Um, the real joy of coaching for us, particularly in this profession, there are so many different areas that we could go into. We have, you know, and Bettina's involved with heavily in women in chiropractic. And when I'm coaching women, there are specific needs that they have. Their, their reference point is not kicking the lights out in a gold necessarily, but the, am, am I fulfilled as a woman, as a person, as a, as a chiropractor? I've got my family. And men have those um, feelings too. So to believe and to think that it all has to get done one way is is really incorrect. And it brings people to a values conflict. And what I mean by that is if achieving this goal means that you're dishonoring a part of yourself that's really important in another way, for example, I have to say this to get this outcome, but internally I know it's not true. That's actually, um, that's not, that's not incongruent. It's incongruent basically with who you are and what needs to be done. So the process of coaching anybody to any outcome is getting very, very clear on their on their own moral compass, their values, what's important to them, and then helping them make good decisions based on their own point of reference to get the ultimate to what it is they're trying to get to. That sounds fantastic. Uh, number five, and to round it off, and I really love this question, what's the difference between success and fulfillment? Jim's almost answered that um, Success is ticking off uh, a goal. It's it's achieving something that you set out to achieve. Um, and you could probably use these interchangeably. It depends on your definition of success. Fulfillment is actually when it's it's knowing that to achieve that, that success, you haven't actually discounted yourself, your values, um, your, your personal needs. So fulfillment is a, a, a sense of a deep feeling of contentment um, in yourself. And you know when you've achieved something that fulfills you when, you, when you hit that mark, it's a sense of peace and of calm. Sometimes when you see people who are very success-driven in the traditional sense of the word, they can actually be even more frenetic after they've achieved the, the goal or the outcome that they've, they've got to. So um, the distinction I often make when we're coaching with people is one of the first things I like to actually set up and establish is what is that person individual definition of success? 
um, so that that way we know, they know when they've achieved, they know when they've got there, and then we ask, okay, so what is the feeling of fulfilment when you've actually achieved it? So did you want to add in there too? I was just going to say that, yeah, success for a lot of people is is a particular outcome, and the difference between success and fulfillment for me is that there are plenty of people in our profession who by standard measure are successful, but they get to that achievement or that end goal and go, gee, I, I thought I'd feel differently or I thought I'd feel a lot better in myself about this than, than that or if I had to achieve this but trade off that, would I do that? And I think fulfillment is um, – being, being successful on your own terms, being content and and finding joy and and, fulfill, and and happiness in that process as well, knowing that you're living congruently with your own values, that to me is uh, a definition of fulfillment and success. Well, look, I think that's a really uh, lovely way to, to round things off. Um, just to add a little thing in there, um, I had a conversation with Dr. Paul Noon, who you guys will certainly know yeah. and most Victorian chiropractors at least, uh, should know about a, a very similar question but talking about happiness versus fulfillment and from a neurological perspective uh, uh, Paul was explaining that happiness isn't realistically achievable and it may not necessarily if that's the only emotion we're experiencing be healthy for us because the brain yep. likes novelty it likes challenge it likes frustration and working through those things and that fulfillment was perhaps more of a realistic goal one and two, a more of a complete goal in terms of it encompassed so many other emotions. So sometimes having fulfillment doesn't always mean happy. Uh, yeah. It means working through so many of the emotions of life, many of which are not at all happy, uh, but add to the uh, tapestry of, uh, of what makes us who we are. So uh, yeah. I thought that was a really good uh, point that he made there. Yeah, and Anthony, just on that too, I know you're involved in cycling and, and I'm, uh, you mentioned about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There are times where I have pushed myself and you've pushed yourself to within an inch of what we can do. And if you ask us at that moment, am I happy right now? Probably not, <laughs> but fulfilled knowing that you gave everything of yourself, you've got contentment and you've got the best out of yourself. I think that's just a little example to, to highlight that too because sometimes what gives us fulfillment in the process isn't always happy at the time uh, my question jim i'm usually asking myself at those times are what the hell am i doing this yeah. for i'm way too old for, for to be yeah. competing with these guys but you're quite right as soon as it's all done you you definitely feel fulfillment for sure yeah all right um patina and jim thank you so much for your time today uh you're really amazing dynamic duo the, the two of you and uh you know you gel perfectly in a podcast like just like you do in uh, in life i'm sure so really appreciate your time today oh, thank you absolutely pleasure. pleasure well that's it for me thanks for listening be sure to get involved and i look forward to chatting with you again on our next caa or maybe aca podcast mm -hmm.